Well, happy Sunday to you, Father's House Church. It's Maddie Coppin here, and it's wonderful to be with you this morning, uh, preaching the Word of God from the new building. How amazing is this? It's an honor to be standing here with you, uh, preaching the Word. And uh, I just want to say huge thanks to all of you who helped us just have an amazing tour on Sunday. We uh, got to have the privilege of walking through the new building, and we got bussed out here from uh, by Sue Tillapar and Monica Warner. And just want to say a big thanks to you ladies for driving us out here, for all the hosts that hosted us and the tour guides that walked us through the new building, for Rick and Chad serving us up some really nice drinks on Sunday. It was amazing to come and check out the new digs. And I'm pretty excited to be the first person to preach in the new church building. So I, uh, I'm just going to take that honor. Thank you very much. And uh, hope for a plaque or something to commemorate this amazing momentous moment. Um, but it is awesome to be here. There's been lots of changes happening in the church as well. And uh, for those that know Ashley and I, you know, it's been a couple of, couple of months now since we transitioned out of our full-time regular role on the pastoral staff here at the church. And uh, just to let you know, we're doing wonderful and we're taking a season of just prayer and discernment. And while there's been a couple of ministry opportunities uh, presented to us. We are just holding everything loosely right now as we just pray and seek God's will for our life. Um, but we are excited to be uh, participating in worship on Sundays here in Morinville uh, with so many of you. So that's going to be really exciting for us to come. Uh, I am thankful to come and share with you today from the Word of God. Um, we'll be jumping uh, into the Psalms again today as we have been over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the summer of the Psalms is what we've been looking at, and it's going to be a chance to continue in that series. And so we're going to be moving through one of the Psalms today and sharing together. But before we get started, why don't we just take a minute to pray and prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our attitudes to come humbly before the Holy Spirit um, into God's presence right now so that we can just learn and grow together. So why don't we just take a minute to pray? And we'll get kick-started here into this sermon. Jesus, we're so thankful for the opportunity to share the Word of God with one another together. Uh, even though we are apart, thank you so much for the ability to use technology to minister uh, and share together and to be together on this day. I pray that you'll lead and guide us and help us understand your heart for us and uh, to discern your Word. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I am excited to come to you with the Psalms today, and uh, I love the Psalms. The Psalms are an amazing mix of wisdom writings, which encourage us to learn and gain insights into our situations. And the Psalms are also a group of Thanksgiving Psalms that help us to move to a place of thankfulness and gratitude uh, in the midst of our trials. And the Psalms are full of laments for those moments in which life is difficult and to help us to understand those painful times uh, when we don't know how to manage our emotions that bubble up to the surface uh, or, you know, when we see the sin and the brokenness of the world and we get discouraged and frustrated. Those lament psalms just help us to connect to uh, those emotions and those feelings and to see God in those places. Um, and also poetry that help us to connect to that other side of our brain creating for us images and, and wonder uh, that transcends just our own intellect. Uh, the Psalms exist in the Bible as they are instructive in the way uh, that we can worship. For Jewish people all around the world, 
Uh, The Psalms are the primary source of worship that give context to celebrations, to feasts, to festivals. They are littered with imagery, littered with songs to help create a wonder of God. They are in the Canaan of the Bible for a reason, and they help narrate the story of God to God's people. For me personally, the Psalms have informed my daily journey, journaling and reflections. I often find that there's a Psalm that I can come to that speaks to the moment or the mode that I'm in and, and helps me to connect to God in a deep place. They help me to uh, deal with the neurotic emotions of yesterday that bubble up to the surface and give me a way and a grid to to see God through whatever is happening in my life. And I've used the Psalms for many years for my personal reflections and journaling. I think what can be really powerful about the Psalms is actually the way the Psalmists create images for us to see, which is such a transformative way to read the Bible. Um, the, the simplicity of their descriptions and, and the use of imagery and poetry help us in, engage our imagination and creative center. The Psalms were not written just to be instructive, although, of course, they can be deeply instructive, particularly when we read the wisdom Psalms, but they are also deeply creative, deeply poetic, uh, painting a picture for us uh, to imagine the story. I like to liken the Psalms to like a really good movie or a really good book that you read and the author gives uh, such detail and description that you can almost imagine yourself in the story. And the Psalms uh, do that. They invite us into God's story. Um, I kind of think about my wife, Ashley. For those that know Ashley, she uh, is an empathetic soul. And whenever she watches a movie, uh, often she'll find herself bubbling up with emotion as she connects to the characters in the story. Um, It was the movie 12 Years a Slave uh, that my wife went and saw in the cinema. And as she watched the the way the movie was done, produced, the way the story was told, she was able to connect in such a deep way that it caused her to well up with emotion. And she even cried in the cinema. And uh, it took her about a week to process that movie, actually, as she uh, cried and, and imagined just the emotion and the pain of that movie. Uh, I did ask her if I could share that story by the white white way, so I'm not ragging on her. Um, But you know what? That's what I think a good movie does. It invites us into the story. A good painting pulls us in and drags us in to begin to imagine what what the meaning of that uh, painting is all about or a book. Do you know, Jesus did this all the time. Jesus was super creative in his responses and the way that he told parables and created stories for us to imagine ourselves in. Often he would create a scene or a a play type story that his audience could see themselves in so they could wrestle with how they would feel or act rather than just answering a question. He does it often. And and a good example that we know of is, of course, the Samaritan story, uh, where he, rather than just answering a question, he creates a picture and invites the person asking the question to enter into that story and imagine uh, the response. He also does this with the prodigal son story, which I think is fascinating. When Jesus tells the 
prodigal son story, he, uh, we often see ourselves as the prodigal son. You know, I certainly have connected in that way before. You know, those moments when you're away from God and, and you return back to the heart of God and, and the father runs out and embraces the son who's been away. And Jesus tells the story so well that you can almost just imagine and, and feel the amazing grace of the father. But there's another side to that story, which Jesus is so creative as he tells that story, because he's addressing the grumbling and the mumbling from the Pharisees, uh, the religious folk who are, who are really upset that Jesus was spending time with sinners and with people who are not meant to belong and who are away from God. And what he does is he tells this elaborate story to deal with their attitude rather than just addressing them directly. And he creates this scene, almost like this drama, this play that's acting out in front of them as he describes this story. And, and, and not only do we hear about the brother who returns and the grace of the father, Jesus finishes the story by addressing the attitude of the Pharisees when he begins to describe the older brother who was grumbling and complaining about the fact that, Jesus, that the father was welcoming back this prodigal who had run away. Now, you see, Jesus knew the story of Israel. He knew that every Jew had in its history times of exile where they felt unforgiven when they were away from God, living in foreign lands, under captivity. And, and there's a particular story in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai where the Jews had finally returned from their foreign exile. And as they returned, there was people living in the land who were grumbling and complaining and, and opposing their return. Now, every Jew knows about this and knows what it feels like to be in exile and to be away from God and to know what it's like to have people who don't want to uh, welcome them in or see them succeed. And so Jesus tells this story with all this history in mind, and he places the grumbling, angry Pharisees who are complaining about God's heart for the sinner, and Jesus puts them as actors in the play typified by the older brother. The older brother is grumbling and complaining about the father welcoming back the son. And all of a sudden, as Jesus tells this story, as he paints a picture, as he creates this scene that each person in the audience can imagine themselves as an actor in that drama, all of a sudden, he addresses their attitudes. He, had, he encounters them on a different level and helps them to see. Many of you who grew up in the church listened to uh, those awesome tapes uh, called Odyssey. Adventures in Odyssey, and uh, my kids love them. We have an old vehicle that has a tape player, so we're kind of limited in what we can listen to. So often we'll find the Odyssey tapes and plug them in. Um, but part of the Odyssey series is Mr. Whitaker has this thing called the Imagination Station. And he invites kids who are struggling with a question or struggling in life to enter into the Imagination Station. And uh, it's in the Imagination Station that they get to enter into the story of God in the narrative of the Gospels or the Old Testament, and they get to encounter the Bible characters and, and learn life lessons by entering into the story. And then they come away from that transformed and changed because they've entered in and, and they've been able to interact with the, the Bible characters and with the way the Bible's written, and it transforms them. And I love that about Mr. Whitaker, how he creates that. And as, they, as the kids come away from that, they don't just have uh, uh, this head knowledge, but they know how to embody this, this transforming reality of the text into their everyday life. And, and I think in this idea of imagination, which the Psalms create for us, they create imagery and they create uh, this other way to access 
uh, the text and the story of God. I, I don't think it gives us permission to just, you know, make the scriptures mean whatever we want them to mean. That's not what I'm saying. That would be terrible Bible study. Um, but I simply mean that when we learn to come humbly, even to familiar passages, knowing that we don't know all the answers, and let God allow us enter into the story and become participants that we can learn and grow. One of the dangers that I've noticed in my own spiritual work, church, is that uh, when I'm thinking about the Bible and the stories of the Bible, I can so often approach them from my Greek-thinking intellectual brain. And, and so often when I come to the text, it's because I'm needing information, um, information for a sermon, uh, information for a Bible study uh, answer or information for an argument I'm having with someone or information uh, in so many different ways, you name it. And I feel like I often will rush through verses and rush through chapters to get what I need. Um, and I think there's a different way to approach the text that is just more than information, but allowing it to be transformative. Let me give you an example. I moved to Canada in 2008, um, 12 years ago, and uh, from Australia, from my family back home in Australia. And since being away, I'll often stay in touch with my family via Facebook or Facebook Messenger or Skype back in the day. Um, and, but in the last couple of years, since my dad was diagnosed with a kidney disease and my parents have aged a little and my brothers and sisters have moved around, it's been really important for me to stay in contact uh, with my family, with my mum and dad in particular, via email. And so often my mum will send me an email and I'll write back and we, we keep in touch that way. It's actually really cool. Um, and one of the things I love about when my mum emails me is she'll often write it in the afternoon in Australia. So I will wake up in the morning to an email from my mum. And the way that my mum writes her emails is like really descriptive. Like she will write big paragraphs with lots of content telling the stories about my brothers and my sister and family and uh, the beach and the tourists who are visiting where they live. And, you know, she just paints this picture for me as I read it that I, I actually can imagine the story. And, and what I love about it is in the morning, what I'll do is I'll wake up and I'll see that email and I'll, I'll quickly read through it just to get a sense of what's happening to see if anything stands out. But normally what I'll do is I'll, I'll go and make a coffee and I'll sit out on my back deck in summer or in the lounge room in winter and I'll just read through that. I'll read through that email and I'll just slowly begin to chew over the, the content of that email. And, and as I do that, something really cool happens. I can actually imagine the smell of the beach. I can actually imagine uh, my dad cooking the barbecue on the back deck. And I can imagine the faces of the people my mum is describing and the situations they're in and imagine what it feels like for them. And, and, and the way in which I engage her email is often more than just informative. It creates a picture of what it's like back home and it feeds that longing in me uh, to know what's happening back in Australia and it paints a picture for me to live into. You know, this email isn't just a bunch of information, which it could be if I wanted it to be, but there's something about just taking the time to read over her email and, and, and take from it all the bits of information and allow it to create an image for me to live into. Why am I saying all of this stuff? Because church, I actually believe the Psalms play a unique role in the canon of scripture in the fact that they, they achieve this in, in many ways. I think this is the way the Psalms can play a role in our worship. They have this unique place to help us to see God and experience scripture in creative ways. 
Because the psalmists, just like the email my mom sends, the psalmists create this kind of story using all these kinds of imagery, poetry, song, description, sadness, lament. And they paint this picture for us to engage in another way that is not just about getting information, but to see God in different dimensions, in different ways that is so creative. And we can encounter God in such deep and meaningful ways in the Psalms. Like my daughter Alyssa um, has known all about the Easter story her whole life, growing up reading kids' books and hearing about Jesus dying on the cross and, and, and knowing all about that. And she has a love for Jesus and a passion for Jesus. She worships, she sings. But this Easter, I think, was the first time that she engaged in the story in a different way. It was when Pastor Tyler had put together this incredible video over Easter, splicing together videos of Jesus carrying the cross and and seeing Mary weeping as her son was driving past uh, and the sadness that was in her eyes and face. And my daughter Alyssa sat on the couch and she watched that. And as she saw the images, as she saw what was taking place, it affected a different part of her. And she sat there just weeping and she cuddled up to her mom and just said, that is so sad. And of course, I looked across and my wife was crying as well because she was seeing Mary. She was seeing Jesus's mom and the sadness. And for her, seeing that image that was painted on the TV screen allowed her to enter into the story and engage with it in a different way. And it created this emotion and this empathy and this love and this passion for God and particularly at Easter for what Jesus had done. I love it. And I think that's what the Psalms can do for us. I think the Psalms are this beautiful part of the Bible that can allow us to enter in creatively. To, as, the, as the images are drawn and as the images are described, we can actually encounter it as we take our time. And we can encounter the text and encounter God in different and creative ways. And, and this is what I really wanted to get to this morning for you is I want to give the opportunity for you at home rather than me just rushing through and and telling you a bunch of stuff was to give you the chance to just on this Sunday morning to sit where you are in your lounge room or in your bedroom wherever you are and and take a moment to engage your Bible. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity shortly just a short exercise in which I would love you to go and get a physical Bible if you have one. If you don't your phone is just fine Um, but to go and get a Bible And I'm going to ask you to open up to Psalm 37, which is an incredible psalm. It's one of my favorites anyway. And I'm going to ask you to open up your Bible to Psalm 37. And and while you do that now, while you prepare to open up your Bible to Psalm 37, or you get up and go and get your Bible, I'll give you a little bit of context to this psalm. I'm going to invite you to do a short, simple exercise. And that's going to really make up the majority of what we're going to do together this morning. Um, Psalm 37 was likely written by King David, and it was written as an uh, acrostic poem um, using the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and then going with each following letter of the alphabet in the Hebrew, starting each sentence. And it was written that way to, to help with memorization in worship so people could remember the, the flow of the psalm and could recite it and remember it. And it's this beautiful psalm uh, that's simple. It's not clunky, it's not complicated, it's this simplicity that I love about this psalm. It simply lays out two different paths. It lays out the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. It gives good, wise instruction to uh, those who would follow the wise, righteous path. And it uses this beautiful image, imagery, to help us understand the fruits of each path. 
It invites the worshiper to to see the contrast between those who seem to prosper in their evil and who seem to enjoy a fun life living in their sin and those who are delighting in the Lord and finding true rest and then the results and the fruit of both of that living. And it ultimately invites the worshiper to trust God and to simply delight in Him. A message I think we can all hang on to in this fast-paced world full of temptation and sin. So hopefully by now you have your Bible and you're able to open it up to Psalm 37 and and understand a bit of the context of this beautiful psalm. And what I'm going to get you to do is I want you to just take a moment together as a family or as a couple or on your own, whoever you're gathered with this morning, and, and just read through Psalm 37. Not quickly. Um, we're going to read through it and I'm going to give you an opportunity to just read through it once and just for general retention and get a sense of the psalm and what it's saying and, and see if you can notice the two paths. But then what I want you to do is after you've read it through once, is just read it through again. And the second time you read through this psalm, what I would love you to be attentive to is the use of imagery and the way that the psalmist uses pictures and imagery to help us understand a different level of the text and see what God brings to mind as you do that. And I'll give you an example straight from verse one. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. And as you read that, let the image of those who do evil look like grass. You know, that they're not literally going to turn into grass or turn into dead plants. The psalmist uses this imagery to help us imagine and bring to mind what a piece of grass looks like and use that to describe the result of sinful living. What comes to mind in your life as you think about evildoers? Who are they? What are they doing? Who are the enemies? Who are your enemies? Who is around you prospering from evil and wickedness? And it makes you feel angry or uncomfortable. Call to mind the image that the author uses as he describes grass growing and looking like it prospers and it's succeeding and living the life it's meant to live. And then bring to mind a a, a dead patch of grass that begins to wither and lose its color and turn brown. And as that dead grass begins to fall to the ground flat and die and break off crumbling in your hand. Imagine the plant that grows in season and seems to be standing tall and strong, but yet over time begins to wither and die and lose its leaves. And the leaves turn brown and crunchy and blows away into dust like nothing. And imagine the way the psalmist is describing the common path of wickedness and the evildoers who live for their own gain. And call to mind, what is the author trying to tell us? And so this is what I would love to invite you to do, just just briefly, is to read over the psalm together. And if you've got kids, get them to read a verse or a chapter, however you want to be creative to do that in the space you're in. But just read over the psalm once, and then again, read it, being attentive to the imagery and see what stands out to you. Bring to mind what the author is trying to say. Write it down. Ponder it. And maybe this week, as you look for Bible study, you can read through that psalm and imagine that. So we're going to take just a couple of minutes 
And uh, as we take a couple of minutes, we'll give you a couple of minutes to do this, and then we'll come back together and I'll share a couple of concluding thoughts. But I'm going to just pray right now and invite you to take that time while you have it right now to engage the scriptures and read through it together. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we come to this rich text, we ask that you would lead and guide us, teaching us with all wisdom how you want us to grow more fully into Christ, who is the head. Amen. Take some time, a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll join you again at the conclusion of that. Well, welcome back. I, uh, I don't know how successful you felt or found yourself uh, engaging in that short, brief exercise on a Sunday morning, but even if you didn't feel overly successful, I just want to encourage you that the Psalms have this wonderful way of describing things and allowing us when we take the time in humility to enter in, to see the imagery and see what it speaks to us. Um, and I think that as we continue to learn to take the time with Scripture, uh, not just feel like we have to rush through for information, but we can start getting used to patiently waiting for God as we engage Him uh, in His Word. You know, it reminds me of the encouragement that our psalmist in Psalm 37 gives us when he says in verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. I think so often, this is a reflection of myself, is that I am running, I am running my life like a race sometimes, guys. You know, each day I'm going, I'm moving toward the destination that I think I need to get to. And, and, and I think I do that with my Bible sometimes too. And, and my Christianity at times, you know, um, running ahead and, and, and rushing through this picture that I have, always moving ahead, moving forward, moving, going, growing, getting to that destination. Um, and I do that with my life, my Christianity, my, my Bible reading. And, and I've had to ask for forgiveness from God recently. And, and I don't know if you can identify in that kind of lifestyle I'll never forget the time God convicted me of this and taught me a lesson when I was living in Australia. I lived and worked in this beautiful coastal town. It was gorgeous, you guys. And I lived there for two years and it was by the bay. And, and as I was working as a youth worker, as a caseworker with young people, we had this crisis accommodation service that we lived on and it was not far from the beach. But every day I'd have to drive into the town and I'd take this, this drive down our road and it would come to the beach road. And the beach road wound around the cliff face into the next community. It was a good 10-minute, 15-minute drive. And to the left was this crystal clear ocean. I mean, it was just gorgeous on a sunny day. Um, you could see the water sparkling and the sand just inviting you in to, to come and rest and lay down. But every day I would drive that road. And for the first couple of weeks of living there, I would, oh, this is awesome. You know, I'd look at it and I'd imagine it. And it was beautiful. But then I found myself. Uh, driving along the road one day, and I was just focused, laser focused, you know, driving as quick as I could, getting frustrated at all the cars in front of me and, and people on bikes riding in front of you and totally unaware of the scene around me, trying to get to my destination, Russian, focused, egocentric, in my own head, in my own mind, getting to where I needed to get to. And, and, and I remember um, God used that as a symbol of my life sometimes. I was struck one day when I was driving, when I looked out the window, just glance, and then all of a sudden, it was this picture-perfect day. And I realized that I'd been driving weeks, and I hadn't even looked to the left to see the ocean, to see the scene that people pay thousands of dollars to come and, and, and vacation to. I had the privilege of living in, and I'd taken it for granted, 
And I was so consumed by my own mind and my own self that I'd completely began to miss the beauty of the moment that I was in. And I think that that God was beginning to speak to me about that. I was always rushing toward some destination. And that happens in my life. Maybe it's a better car or a a better job or rushing toward my retirement, you know, laser focused, egocentric. My, My life is laser focused on this one direction. And I think God began to teach me a lesson about that. That whatever picture I have of the good life that has been created for me outside of God that consumes me, that I, I begin to miss what God is saying, what God is doing in the present, in, in, the, in the atmosphere, in, in the surrounds that I find myself in. And I, and I feel like that's often what I do when I read the Bible. Often I drive through the text looking for what I need. Uh, I come to worship with what I think I need. And, and when I don't get it, I'm disappointed and I move on to the next thing that I think I need. But how can we learn to slow down and, and, and be on the journey and notice the beauty of God who is all around, who is ever-present, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's everywhere. You know, God is there. God is in the images, in the descriptions, in the laments, in the thanksgiving, in the Psalms. God is everywhere. And even if you look closely, you'll discover Jesus is in there as well. God is all around us, church. Can you find him? Can we learn to slow down just a little bit to capture a glimpse of his goodness? The Psalms are an amazing place to encounter him in this way, to meet God in his beauty, in the poetry, in the song, and in the lament. Hear this pearl from the psalmist back in our Psalm 37 when he says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, when our delight is in God alone, when we slow down to see God and his word and we experience his goodness, our priorities change. The desires of our heart become more aligned to God's desires. And then, and only then, will the desires of our heart be fulfilled because his desires actually become our desires. And that's why God can give us the desires of our heart as we learn to see him and delight in him. And that's where we find ourselves at peace, walking on the path of the righteous. And even though everyone else is living their life toward a picture of perfection in this temporary world, Psalm 37 reminds us that we can be on the path of righteousness. We can find peace. We can have eternity. We can be sheep in the pasture, resting in in God's dwelling place. And we don't need to be rushing around trying to chase down what the world is trying to teach us. The question for me to you today is, what is the direction of your life moving toward? What is your attention drawn toward? Productivity, success, money, I don't know. Which path do you find yourself on? The temporary one or the eternal one? John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's two paths as our psalm lays out. Which one will you find yourself on? I'll leave you with St. Augustine's words from his confessions. God, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. 
Take a moment this week to read Psalm 37 at least once. Let it remind you of the paths and the way that we are doing life. See, Jesus opened the door through his death on the cross for us to discover a new life, a new way of living, new priorities, and a kingdom for eternity. And it's this new way that we can walk on this path of righteousness with him. So the Psalms are this beautiful place that we can discover God in new and creative and imaginative ways. So I encourage you to engage with Psalm 37 this week. Let's close in a word of prayer and be encouraged, church, that God is with you and he's all around you. Just lift your eyes to see him. God, we just so thank you for our time together this morning as we uh, use the Psalms as a platform to see the creative way that you speak to us. We thank you for the psalmists as they write these beautiful songs that describe you in, in, in creative and simple ways that help us to connect to you on a different level. Thank you for the place of the Psalms. Thank you for Psalm 37 today, God, and the two paths that are laid out that this wise old psalmist uh, helps us understand. And I pray that it will speak to us this week, today, even as we read through it. I pray that it'll, it'll frame the way that we decide to live, even this week, Lord, the path in which leads to destruction, the path that uh, looks good for a season, but it's temporary, and, and in the end, it leads to death. But then this other path of peace and relationship with you, steadfast, courageous living uh, in the context of a relationship with God that lasts for eternity. God, give us eyes to see both paths and forgive us for where we find ourselves on the wrong one, and lead us not into temptation, God, but deliver us from evil. And God, I pray that you'll lead us on this righteous path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church family, so looking forward to being with you and hopefully a couple of weeks in the new building. Have a blessed and awesome week this week. God bless you and uh, have a great day.